Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Um, You know, I had something in my heart for this Sunday. I think next month we're going to uh, start a brand new series. Uh, But I had something on my heart today to take communion over. Uh, I like to begin every morning this way. It doesn't always work this way. I don't know if some of you can relate to that. Um, But if I have my way, this is the way it goes. I'll wake up and anywhere between 4.30 and 5.30, I just let my body kind of wake up around that time. And I immediately put on like my workout clothes, brew coffee, and then go for a walk. Now, this walk is not for exercise. I'll do that later. This is my prayer walk. And sometimes I'll have instrumental music in. Um, You know, I I try not to do things with words because that kind of breaks the focus. But I find I pray best through movement, and I've always kind of been that way. Even when I'll pray in like a prayer meeting, I'm like pacing (laughs) because I don't know if it's the rhythm of it, but it just helps me pray. It helps me connect uh, to God and really disconnect from the world, and that's one of the harder things to do with prayer because to connect with God, you have to disconnect from other things, and so you need to find that space to help you disconnect. And In fact, one of the things Jesus would do, and this is completely off topic, but maybe it'll help you, one of the things that Jesus would do is find a secret place and even when he taught on prayer he said go in your secret place and shut the door Uh, meaning you have to find a place where there is no distraction and that's a hard thing to do especially when you have three kids and a cell phone (laughs) so to find a place where there is no distraction is hard and so for me I find that on a walk um, and I'll, I'll go, and I'll walk with my cup of coffee, uh, which means you have to walk slow. In fact, I didn't realize how slow I was walking until I looked at the Life360 app. I've got teenagers now, and so, like, I track them, air-tagged, whole nine, whole nine yards. Like, wherever you go, someone is watching you. Um, and so I also have it on mine where they can see me because I travel a lot, and I monitored my speed. Uh, my speed on this walk is an astonishing 1.8 miles per hour. (laughs) uh, So literally, it's tortoise speed. 1.8 miles per hour is incredibly slow. Uh, But the goal is not to exercise. It genuinely is to walk and to connect with God. But I I always feel bad because I can tell I'm being judged. Like the er other early risers are out there just like slaying it, like sprinting past me. And I can tell they're watching this guy walk around with a cup of coffee like just head in the clouds like that type of thing and I I often I told Megan who's one of our creative directors I said I want to wear a sign that says don't judge me I'm going to Orange Theory later like just something that has that on it in fact I like that t-shirt for everything like when I'm eating cake don't judge me I'm going to exercise later you know any of those kinds of things Uh, so uh, but my point is is on this walk is is oftentimes where I find the still small voice of the Holy Spirit and you know we we know that that when God speaks it's often not always but often in a still small voice which is why we need to take the time to get quiet to get still I think it's very interesting David wrote in the book of Psalms he says God speaks to me during the night watches 
and like these moments where I'm just laying down and just mindful of him. Like there was no internet back in David's day. There was no cable news or like any of those types of things. So at night when the sun went down, life kind of stopped. And he said, that's oftentimes when I hear God is in these silent kind of moments, in these silent kind of seasons. And we've got to be more intentional about creating those spaces. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We've got to hear from God about our children. We've got to hear from God about our situation. Uh, So we need to create these types of moments. And I'm turning around the block, you know, just having a a still quiet time with God at 1.8 miles per hour. And I'm turning the corner and, and to the house, and God just speaks to me. And I really felt like he wanted me to preach on this this Sunday. And it's a, a simple two-word message, and it is this. Challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. Um, and then these, these phrases came. First, you enjoy it. Or first you endure it, then you enjoy it, then you excel in it, but challenge yourself. There is no challenge without enduring challenge. As soon as you make a decision to challenge yourself physically, you reach pain and you're going to have to endure it. You make a decision to challenge yourself financially, uh, you're going to save or give, you will feel pain and you will have to endure that challenge. But it doesn't always stay there. You move from enduring challenge to enjoying it, and you move from enjoying it to excelling at it. Uh, For my kids, uh, I begin at 10 years old to make them uh, get in motion. And even if you're not playing a sport or that kind of thing, I want us to challenge our physical bodies to keep them healthy and strong. Um, For all things, uh, you know, health and fitness, it's about that. It's about being healthy and strong to run my race. It's not about cosmetics or any of those types of things. Uh, But basically what we'll do in the Sims household is years ago I met this guy and he's like, you travel a lot. I'm like, I do. And he's like, well, what do you do for exercise when you travel? I'm like, not much. 1.8 miles per hour, prayer walk. Uh, And he said, well, exercise is all around you. And I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, your body. And your body will give you the best exercise you can get because that's what we, we're, we're trying to do. Is like as Christians, we have a race to run. As Christians, we have a mission to fulfill and we need a body to take us there. And so use your body uh, as exercise. I'm like, well, what do you recommend? He said four exercises, squats, push-ups, sit-ups, and plank. And he's like, you do 100 of those a day anywhere in the world, you'll stay, you'll stay strong physically. And I'm like, okay. And I did it, and I'm like, oh, God, 25, give me grace. Grace, Lord Jesus. Uh, and that kind of thing. So I started doing that. And so at 10, I start making my kids do it. And do it with me. I'll do it with them uh, to start with. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to trust you to do it on, on your own. And every time they begin doing it, they can't stand it. I mean, it is absolutely something that is just the worst thing. Uh, Same thing when I I make them read. Uh, So like now, like for my son, my youngest, it's like 30 minutes a day, we will read. And it's like, this is not school assigned. I'm like, exactly. Uh, We will read. And now, though, I see where my oldest son, who has worked out uh, for five years now using his body, uh, he enjoys it. 
and he's excelling in it. And my daughter, who's read uh, for all of these years, now I pay her to read. I'm like, you need to read this book. It'll help you. I'll pay you blank amount of dollars to read this, but you've got to annotate it. You've got to mark it. And she loves it. Because this is the nature of everything. Whenever you seek to challenge yourself, first you will endure the challenge, then you enjoy the challenge, then you excel in it. But this is not like, well, somebody says, well, what is this lesson on parenting? Well, kind of, because God is your heavenly father. And God is trying to position you in a place where you are able to say, I have run my race and finished my course, because one day you will see him and you will give an account for your life. And you will give an account for what you did with it. And if you play it safe, you don't want to tell him that. Because there's a whole parable on Matthew 25, which is actually my favorite parable, where God teaches uh, us through Jesus and this story what the kingdom of God is like. And I want us to do a deep dive into this parable and to just take out some spiritual truths and then take communion on it, that I will live a life of faith, that I will not be afraid uh, and I will step outside of my comfort zone because I know God is with me. So let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. And let's dive into this lesson. So in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you how the kingdom of God works. It's like a man who's a great man goes on a journey and he has three servants in his house. And he's going to give them his goods. To one, he gives five talents, to another, he gives two, and to another, he gives one. To each one, he gives them according to their ability. Now, this is interesting because Jesus teaches parables to tell us, here's how the kingdom of God works. Now, Jesus has been in heaven uh, up till this time, and he has watched humanity. And humanity is often trying to figure out, like, how, do, how does this work? Like, the rich get richer, what? What's going on on this planet? And so Jesus is watching it from this bird's eye view, and now he's on the earth, and he's like, let me tell you how it works. Let me tell you how the kingdom of God operates. He says, God comes to each one of us, and he gives to us according to our ability. And somebody says, well, I thought God gave to us according to his love for us. Well, that's a part truth, but it's not the whole truth. Think of it this way, uh, that with your kids, if you have kids, I have kids that are at different ages. I've got a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 10-year-old. I don't give the 10-year-old what I give the 16-year-old. And it's not because I love the 16-year-old more than the 10-year-old. It's I'm serving their ability to handle what I'm giving them. You're not ready for a phone. Uh, this is not something you're ready for. You're not ready for a vehicle. And it's not because I don't love you. There's certain things I want to see in you. And just because you're 16 doesn't mean you're ready for it either. There's, come on, somebody. There are certain things I want to see in you. And it's not because I don't love you. It's because of what? I do love you. And I love you enough to know that there's certain things you can't handle. And so I give to you according to your ability to handle the thing I'm given. And God says, same way in the kingdom of God. God loves everybody the same, but he gives to people according to their ability to handle what he has given them. Now he says, but don't worry, everybody's gotten something. 
Everybody on the planet has gotten something. And he said, some have gotten five, some have gotten two, and some have gotten one. But everybody has gotten something. And so in your life, he says, there are things that God has given you, because that's the moral of the parable. He delivered unto you his goods. And for everybody in this room, God's given you talents. There are things that you can do that I could never do. Like I watch, I watch people on our stages, no matter where you're at today, at any campus of Word of Life Church, you can watch these musicians and singers and just be like, I wish I could do that. Uh, like, I, I wish like, that there was something in me that could sing like that. That's a talent that can be seen. Uh, we've just had uh, drafts, NBA drafts. How about the seven-foot-four guy? Like, I'm looking at his arm, and I'm like, your arm is taller than me, sir. Uh, like, all of those kinds of things. Like, talent, ability. And some of it's just like raw, physical talent. Sometimes it's a spirit of leadership, or sometimes it's the gift of giving. But let me ask you this, what has God given you over at Fondren? What has God given you? Highland Colony. Here, like, what has God given you? And then the next question is, what have you done with it? Because in this parable, what we see is that he gives according to people's ability to handle it. Gifts, talents, abilities, graces, friendships, relationships, churches, messages. There are messages that you have heard that other people haven't heard. There are things that God's, God's given you instruction. God's given you seed. God's sown things into your heart. He's given you some prophecies. He said, I, I've given you according to your ability to handle it. But let me ask you this. What did you do with what I gave you? And the guy who had five talents, he comes to his master and he's like, you handed me five? You know what I did with it? I took the five that you gave me and I, I stepped out with it. And I fought to make it the best it could be. And five turned into ten. I, with my labor and effort, took five into ten. And now here's ten. You gave me five, here's ten back. And the, the master, who is God in the story, you're the servant, the master's God. God comes to the servant. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't like good, because if he would have said perfect, we would have had problems. Uh, like, because none of us could have, he's like, no, that was good. There were things, obviously, you could have done better. Uh, you, we're not talking perfect here. Good and faithful is enough. Well done, good and faithful servant. He said, You've been faithful in that which is little, now I will give you even more. Meaning, you're not just going to see your efforts take five into ten, but because you challenged yourself to make it the best it could be, I'm going to give you what you could not give yourself. And this is always the way of God. When you're faithful with something, he gives you what you could not give yourself. You're faithful in another man's, God will give you your own. You're faithful in unrighteous mammon, money. You're faithful with money. God said, I'll give you true riches. You're faithful with your gifts and talents. You're faithful with the things that I've given you. I'll give you what you could not give yourself. So he, here he's take five into ten and God's like, wonderful. I'll give you what you couldn't give yourself. He comes to the guy who has two. And I always say whenever I teach this parable, we are the two-talent guy, right? Two-talent person. Because there's always going to be someone with more than us, and there's always going to be someone with less than us. 
Uh, there's always going to be someone who we look at, it's like, to be seven foot four with arms bigger than my body. Like, what I could do with that skill? Like, there's always going to be that person. Uh, there's always going to be someone who has more than you, and there's always going to be someone who has less than you. There's always that in between. And here with the, the two talent, it would be easy to, for him to say, if you would have given me five, if you would have just given me what you gave them. But here's the thing, on the day of reckoning, when God comes and examines our life, the question is not, what would you have done with what I gave them? And we like to play these games, don't we? It's like, you know what I would do if I had their money? I can't believe how they spent their money. Do you know what I would do if I had their money? Do you know what I would do if I had that father? Do you know what I would do if I had that house? Do you know what I would do if I had that church? And God's like, that ain't the question. The question is not, what would you do if you had five? The question is, what did you do with the two I gave you? What did you do with those friendships? What did you do with that calling? What did you do with that gift? What did you do with that anointing? What did you do with that message? It spoke to me so much. What did you do with it? Uh, what did you do with that prophecy? Did you war good warfare with it? What did you do with what I gave you? Because we're coming to God and it's like, God, I want you to give me more. He's like, I want to. But what did you do with what I gave you? And the guy who had two talents, he tells the Lord, you gave me two talents. I turned two into four. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Same thing he told the guy who had five. Well done, good and faithful. You, you, you challenge yourself two to four. Now I'm going to give you what you could never give yourself. You've been faithful with that which is little. Now I'm going to give you much. You don't just get to keep the four. You're going to see my power, my grace, my ability come in your life. Faithful with little, I'm going to give you more. Now watch what happens to the next guy who had one. Uh, Matthew 25 and verse number 22. He who had received the two talents came up and said, Master... You've entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said unto them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the, the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you had no seed. What's he saying? It's just easy for you. It's just easy for all of these people. It's easier for all of these, you know, individuals. It's just easier for them. They had five. They, they had two. It's just easier for them. And keep in mind when Jesus is teaching this, once again, he has watched humanity for hundreds of years with a bird's eye view. And in parables, he's teaching you how we think. But he's also trying to show you how it works. And he comes here, and, and this guy's like, it's, it's easy for you. You reap where you don't sow. You gather where you don't straw. And, and, and watch what happens here. Verse 25, and I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. What's he saying? 
Now, I didn't lose it. I didn't do anything with it. But I didn't lose it. But his master answered him and said, You wicked, (laughs) slothful servant. Now, let me just stop right here. Um, I didn't write this. I'm just responsible to teach it to you. And notice the honesty from God. You wicked and slothful, many translations say lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I had not scattered. You ought to at the very least put my money in the bank and upon my arrival I would receive my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has more shall more be given. And he will have an abundance, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. Now there's um, massive amounts of teaching I could do on this. I've taught this parable for many years because it is my personal favorite. Because in pastoring for 20 years, I see this all the time. I see people who it's like, man, the blessing of God is on their life. And then I look at others, I'm like, why isn't it there? And it's, I, I, I almost sometimes become a little accusatory of God. I'm like, God, they should have more. They should have more grace. And, and we look at this, and, and whenever we see something, because Scripture does teach us in the New Testament that you can have more grace. That there is more grace available, which is exactly what Matthew 25 is speaking, is grace is God giving you what you never could give yourself. And and then we see like the opposite of that, that God says, there are some people who actually I resist. I resist the proud and give grace to the humble. There is more grace. And pride is this thing that just refuses to budge. When someone is prideful, they refuse to move on their opinion. They they refuse to move on where they're at. They don't want to be teachable. They don't want to... You know what pride hates? It hates to be challenged. And when I'm refusing to be challenged in my life, I'm at this place where I'm resisting the call of God. Because let me just help you. God is always out to challenge you because there can be no faith without challenge. Three things this parable is going to teach us, and then I just I want to take communion and just encourage it. First thing, if you don't challenge your life, you begin to lose it. If you don't challenge your life, you begin to lose it. If you don't use it, you will lose it. If you don't use your mind, you will lose your mind. If you don't use your strength, you will lose your strength. Uh, Nothing is ever neutral. If you just keep money and you just save it and save it and save it, it actually is decreasing in value because of inflation. If you don't grow it, if you don't challenge it, if you don't try to make it the best it could be, it does not stay neutral. It's actually decreasing. Um, That It's not like, well, I didn't lose it. It's like, no, you kind of did. And so out of this, God is challenging us to challenge ourselves, to step out and make life, our families, whatever it is God has given you, the best it can be. Because if you don't use it, you will lose it. I had a great lunch appointment uh, this week, and well, several, honestly. And I was talking to a guy in the church who was listening to us um, last week on fatherhood, 
And he said, so I came to my wife and like I just gave her a big hug before I left. And she's like, are you counting? And he's like, yes. <laughs> he said, Pastor Joel said to count. And for those of you who were not here last Sunday, and there were many because people had no power and storms and all of those kinds of things. Let me just give you the backstory. So I read this article on marriage because I, I'm trying to always take my marriage to where I believe it can go, to, to challenge it. And even though we've been married for almost 18 years, I want to fight for God's ideal of marriage, that it can be romantic and it can be filled with adventure and uh, it can be filled with life. And so let me challenge it and let me read things that challenge me to step up my game. And I, I read this, this article, and it was talking about when you're dating, uh, you're like, have these amazing entrances and exits, meaning it's been a minute since you've seen each other, and you're dating, and when you see her, it's like, hello, and she's like, oh, hello, and you're running across the parking lot, and there's like these big entrances, and then it's like hard exits, because you just want to be with, you hang up, no, you hang up, you, you know, all these kind, and it's like, oh, don't leave, don't leave. It's like, I got to go to work. And it's, you know, very there. Now, if you go to the gym and you begin to like exercise and, and begin to put in that work, where do you, what do you get? You get stronger. And when you're doing that in a dating relationship, what are you going to get? You're going to get stronger intimacy, which leads to like, I think we should get married. When, when is he going to ask the question? Why? Because you've had moments like this where you're fighting for each other, you're getting out of your comfort zones, you're saying hello, it's big goodbyes, and you're feeling love. And, and so he said, so you get married, and then, you know, the years go by, and before you know it, it's like, hey, I'm leaving, it's like, bye. <laughs> and you come home from work, and it's like, I'm home, it's like, hey. <laughs> and the writer was talking about it's these types of moments that if you don't fight for your entrances and you don't fight for your exits the the romance and the life in your marriage will not stay the same because if you don't fight for it if you don't use it you will lose it and so he said just try this exercise where you come up and you grab your spouse and you hold them for 20 seconds and it's like before you leave or before you, you know, before you, when you come home, like have these moments where it's just you're engaged for 20 seconds. And so I tried this with my wife without telling her what's going on. And so I'm like, I'm leaving. And I came up and I just gave her a hug and, you know, I'm holding it and I'm counting. And I'm like, one, two, like silently, not out loud. I'm like, I'm fighting for this, baby. Like I'm, I'm in it to win it. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm, I told her, I'm like, I'll send you the article. Uh, and so we're, we're fighting for these moments. Today I was walking out, I just put on cologne, and I know like when I just put it on, she doesn't care for it because she doesn't want to smell like it. And, then to, and so I'm like, air hug, 20 seconds, come on, 20 seconds. It's like, that's too far. But here's, here's my point, here's my point. With all of these things, if you don't fight for it, it's not staying the same. If you're not challenging yourself, it's not staying the same. And God's heart for you is to challenge your finances to make them the best you can make them. To challenge your body to make it the best you can make it. 
to challenge your marriage to make it the best you can make it, to challenge your mind and to pursue wisdom, make it the principal thing, and make it the best you can make it. And it may not ever get to where the guy of five talents, he got his to ten. It may just be you've gotten to four. But if you will take what God has given you and you challenge it, you will see God do for you what you never could do for yourself. Which is the second principle, number two. So number one, if you don't use it, you will lose it. Number two, we must challenge ourselves to have the joy of reaching our full potential. You'll never see who you ultimately can be in any arena of your life until you challenge that arena. You'll never know what you can do physically until you challenge yourself physically. You never know what you can do mentally until you challenge yourself mentally. You'll never know what you can be spiritually until you challenge yourself spiritually. Um, Years ago, I I read, or I didn't actually read this, I listened to a message by John Maxwell. Before he was this leadership guru, he was a pastor, and he wanted to take his church and make it the best he could make it. And one of the ways he went about doing that was by talking to people who were at the level he was at. And so he found this church in another community that was achieving what he wanted to achieve. And he, he scheduled an appointment with the pastor. And the pastor brings him in the office. And, and this, is, this is a big deal. Because before your life, just side, side trail, before your life can ever get to a level, your thinking has to get there first. A, a person's life will never rise to a level their soul doesn't rise to first. And so you need to get around big people. And you need to get around big things. And you need to get around people who, who are doing what you'd like to do. Get around them, fellowship with them. It'll help you see it's possible. And so he goes in and he does this. And he's like, okay, tell me what you did. And the pastor said, so you're saying you want what I have. He's like, well, yeah, pretty much. I, I want to see what you're seeing. And he said, okay, John, let me ask you this. What is your personal plan for growth? What is your personal plan for growth? And John said, I started like saying some things and kind of stuttering and beating around the bush. And he said, finally, the pastor interrupted him. He said, John, you don't have a personal plan for growth, do you? And he said, no. (laughs) He said, what should you be asking me? He's like, what is your personal plan for growth? And based off of that, John said, I came up with something simple uh, for me to challenge myself, basically. I listened to one cassette tape a day. For those of you who don't know what a cassette tape is, it's like a square thing. You fast forward, you rewind, you get right in the middle of the song when you wanted to get to the start. Um, It's nostalgic, too. So, But anyway, it's, it's, it's just like... Uh, an old school mp3 player (laughs) so but out of this he puts in uh he said i'm gonna listen to one cassette tape a day and i'm gonna write one page a day now up to this point john maxwell had not written any books but if you write one page a day you've just written a 365 page book one page a day one page a day one page a day what is that 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 sounds easy but you know what it is it's painful. And you sit down, especially with kids and life and all those things, and it's real easy to do it for, you know, 10 minutes. Uh, And it's real easy to do it maybe for a week, but every day developing that personal discipline. But it's not by accident that John is where John is at. Did God unleash grace and favor? Yeah, like you couldn't get to where he's at without that. But why did God give it to John? 
And it's not like, well, I like John more than I like everybody else. It's like, no. What I look for is, is here's your comfort zone. Are you stepping out of it? Because you'll never have the joy of seeing yourself develop to your fullest potential until you challenge yourself. One day you will genuinely, I know I said it before, I I feel led to say it again, one day you will stand before Jesus and you will give an account for your life. And what he's going to ask is, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave you a body, what'd you do with it? I gave you a mind, what'd you do with it? I I gave you a calling, what'd you do with it? I gave you instruction, what did you do with it? And everything that was done for him and everything that we stressed for and everything, like if we could live like Jesus and say, I was able to say it is finished. And live like Paul and say, I ran my race and I finished my course. I didn't just take it easy. I didn't just like build a house and build a life and live comfortable. I, I, I had more than comfort. I had adventure. I had challenge. I had growth. There were moments where I was scared and I stepped out and I did it anyway. And there were were moments that I didn't want to do it, but I found the courage to to do it anyway. And I I love good servant. Were there things you could have done differently? Yeah. Were you perfect? No. But I challenged myself to make life all that it could be for your glory. Because this is the third point. Not only if you don't use it, will you lose it. Not only will you never see your full potential unless you challenge yourself. You know how you please God? You know how you come to this place where God is pleased with you? He loves us all, but you know how you please Him? You challenge yourself. There is no pleasing the Lord without faith. And faith always is in those moments of challenge. Now, some of you at all of our campuses, you're in a moment of challenge right now because life has brought you a manifold set of temptations. And you're in this season because of what life has brought you and you're having to use your faith. But did you know God will not only like have you grace for faith for those challenges, but your heavenly Father will also rock your box and make you leave your comfort zone by challenging you to do things. And there were moments in Jesus' life where he said, you know what, you are my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. It's like, thank you. And he's like, now go to the wilderness. Why? Same thing with you you and your kids. You know if they're not challenged. They've got to be challenged. There's got to be something that they strive for. There's got to be something that they hit. I can't just let them eat whatever they want to eat, watch whatever they want to watch. There's got to be challenge. And so God is your father, and he's like, you you could be so much more. I'm challenging you. It's time to go to the wilderness. I'm going to send you out. Jesus sent his disciples out. They're like, we're going out. He's like, wait, before you go, give me your wallet. Don't take any suitcase. Don't go to any city where you have any connections. They're like, what? He's like, look towards the father. And they got back, and he said, when I sent you out, did you lack anything? And they said, no, Lord. We lack nothing. And see, we want to be safe. It's like, we, not just, we don't just want a wallet. We want a wallet with a lot of money in it. And we don't just want connections. We want a lot of connections with powerful people. And, and we not just want provision. We want a lot of provision. And so we wait until we get this perfect life before we step out. And God's like, you know how you get that? You step out because it's in the challenge that I'm going to make you into the person I've called you to be. And you don't have everything you need right now because in the challenge is where you find it. 
So don't wait for perfection until you step out. Don't wait till you're fully trained to start preaching. Don't wait to do all these things before you step out. In stepping out is where I will train you. Because it's in those moments of challenge that that's where you'll find me. You don't find me in the boat. You find me out of it. You don't find me sitting in the house with this issue of blood. You find me when you press through everything that says you can't. And you reach forth your hand and you touch the hem of my garment. That's where you find me. You're not going to find me in the house. You're going to find me in that street pressing for something. And I want to ask you, like, are you pressing for something? Is there something in you that's pressing? Is there something? Have you entered into the press? Paul said, this one thing I do, I leave what is behind me, and I press towards what is out in front of me. Are you in the press? Are you somebody, well, I'm too old. No, you're not. Like, all throughout Scripture. Did you know Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett, 90% of his wealth he accumulated after the age of 60. We have all of these barriers in our minds, but you know what those barriers need to be? They need to be challenged. God's not done with you. God's not through with you. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are out in front of you. Act like it. Reach for it. And Jesus said, God comes, and he wants to know, like, why didn't you challenge yourself? And the guy said, I was afraid. And God said, I know you think you were. But you actually just got a little lazy. And you found a level of life. Listen to me. You have found a level of life that you are comfortable in. And you found a level of your marriage that you're comfortable in. And you have found a level in your health that you're comfortable in. And you found a level in your walk with God that you're comfortable in. And you found a level in your experience with him that you're comfortable in. And God, it's like, but what if I told you there is more? What if I came to you and said, there's a whole nother level for you physically. There's a whole nother level for you spiritually. There's a whole nother level for you financially. What if I challenged you to just reach for it? What, what if I challenged you out of the boat and onto the waves where you could see my power and my spirit? Last night, I, I close with this. Last night, I went to this fellowship, and I met a lady there, and I got a chance to, to talk with her, just this beautiful soul. And she's encountered some things in life that has um, challenged her speaking ability. But she's challenging that challenge, and I love it. And she said, like, I, I want to get back to where I was, where I could speak like I spoke. And she said, let me show you something. And so she showed me this, this document that she had made back in 2005 that she had taught and communicated as a poem. And when she showed it to me, I'm like, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. And I don't have time to read the whole thing. I just want to read you the first two lines of it. Um, she said, I have thought that I lived in freedom because my prison cell is large. I can move and turn around in it without hitting the bars. And that's the opening line, and when I read it, I'm like, that's it in a nutshell. So many people are like, ah, no, I'm fine physically. No, we're fine in marriage. No, we're fine here. And it's like God is like, there's such a, there's, there's 
such a more, a greater adventure out for you. And you, what you're calling freedom, you think you're in freedom because you can turn around without hitting the bars. And it's not that you're in freedom, it's just that your, your prison cell is large. That if you could open up your eyes and see the horizons of what God actually wants to do through your life and where you could go and what you could be, you would challenge those bars and challenge that prison cell and say, God, I know I have breath in my lungs for a reason. And the reason why I am still here is because it is not finished. And if it is not finished, I'm going to press for something. I'm going to reach for something. I'm not going to accept this prison as where I have to be the rest of my life. I know there is more on the other side. I'm not going to believe the lie, I'm too old, and I'm too, too young, or it's too late, or I've missed it too much. They're all lies. If you have breath in your lungs, it's because God is not done with you. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to challenge our, our faith to just step out and sing a song about it. And just ask the Holy Spirit to show us where our borders have been and to step out beyond them and to see his grace take us there. At all of our campuses, we're going to do this with communion. And so during the song, you can just receive it. If you didn't have elements at any of our campuses, just raise your hands and the ushers can bring you some of those elements. Uh, but communion is so important because it's our holy meal where we say the body of Jesus is broken to strengthen our bodies to make it through any challenge. And so maybe you have a challenge in your life right now that is one the enemy has brought, or maybe there's an area of your life that you know you need to challenge yourself in, but it has been a stronghold. And so when you break this wafer, what you're saying is, I'm not just going to do this in my own strength. I will overcome these challenges because God is with me, God is for me, and Jesus' body was broken so that my body could receive strength. And so break that wafer in faith. It's not just popping a cracker in your mouth. It's a break in faith saying, I'm, I'm receiving a new grace on my life to do what God has called me to do, and I'm not going to be stuck behind these prison bars any longer. I'm walking free in Jesus' name. And then you receive the blood of Jesus, which is the, the, the juice. And what you're saying is like there's a new sweet season coming to my life. That what was bitter is being washed away by something sweet. And there's a new season of sweetness coming into my family, coming into my life. It's washing away the past. It's washing away the brokenness. It's washing away the sin and the shame. And so when you, when you take the elements, that's what you're reminding yourself of. Amen. So at all of our campuses, let's stand. I'm going to pray over these things, and then we'll worship the Lord at whatever campus you're at. In fact, everyone, just pray this prayer with me. You can just pray over the elements. No matter what campus you're at, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. My sin is washed away. My past, it's washed away. My shame, it is washed away. I receive forgiveness and I receive mercy. Jesus, you are my Lord, and by your grace, I will walk out my life, and I will run my race. I thank you, Father. Your grace 
is enabling me to see you move in my life like never before. And by your grace, I say boldly, my best days, my best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen.